Happy Holidays, and Merry Christmas. You're listening to Chicago Writes, the podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. Welcome to another episode of Chicago Writes. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Before we take a deep dive into book marketing platforms and strategies, a few announcements from our CWA calendar. Now is the time to join Chicago Writers Association. It's open to writers and authors anywhere in the world. Unlock a wealth of writer and author resources, programs, and benefits for just $25 per year by visiting chicagorights.org or click on the link in the notes below. Chicago Writers Association membership, by the way, makes a great gift. Don't wait to secure your spot for Let's Just Write, Chicago's Writers Conference at the luxurious Warwick Allerton Hotel, 701 North Michigan Avenue, along Chicago's Magnificent Mile, March 22, 2024, through March 24, 2024. Come join us on Friday evening, March 22nd, for a welcome reception, including hors d'oeuvres, cocktails, and conversation, and our exclusive CWA Live Lit event. The CWA block of rooms reserved for the conference is at the incredible rate of $129 per night. But rooms are limited and will go fast. Then, join two days of presentations, workshops, panels, pitch sessions, master classes, and more. Your registration fee includes the Friday event, breakfast both days, one lunch, and banquet dinner on Saturday night at the hotel. Visit chicagorights.org for more information and to meet our growing list of speakers and industry professionals. Registration for the Let's Just Write Chicago Writers Conference will close on March 15, 2024, but this conference sold out in 2023, so don't delay. Let's Just Write Chicago's Writers Conference, critically acclaimed and world-renowned. Visit the events page at chicagorights.org. A reminder, Chicago Writers Association is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. P.O. Box 6505, Evanston, Illinois 60204. Don't forget to check out the CWA blog for thoughtful, in-depth advice on lessons every writer should know by our contributing authors and writers, such as Avoid These Book Titling Mistakes by John Matthew Fox, Writing Contests, Good Idea or Waste of Money by Maggie Smith, and 164 non-bookstore places to sell your books by Sharon Woodhouse, and much, much more. That's at chicagorights.org. The Chicago Writers Association Speakers Bureau returns with its 13th edition in early fall 2024, continuing its run as the go-to resource for local venues seeking high-quality, spirited programs. If you have questions or are interested in finding out more about the CWA Speakers Bureau, contact Speakers Bureau Director Daniel P. Smith at smithwriting at gmail.com. That's smithwriting, all one word lowercase, at gmail.com. Or call 708-717-6126. And congratulations to the 2023 Book of the Year Award finalists. And stay tuned here in December as we announce the winners 
of the 2023 Book of the Year Award from CWA. The Book of the Year Celebration social event will be held on January 20th, 2024 at the Tip Top Tap at the Warwick Allerton Hotel, 701 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. Visit chicagorights.org under the Contest tab for more details. And now, my conversation with David W. Berner on book marketing platforms and strategies. Longtime friend of the podcast and one of the most proactive authors for marketing, David W. Berner's latest novel, The Islander, is a winner and finalist in more than eight national and international book award contests. The shortlist includes the NYC Big Book Award winner for a novella, the Islander was also a Paris Book Festival honoree, an American Book Fest Award finalist, as well as a finalist for the Chicago Writers Association Book of the Year. That doesn't just happen, but requires a bit of work and effort from the author. The key, aside from literary talent and obstinate perseverance, a keen marketing strategy. After speaking with Michael Malley from Lidnuts last month, I thought we would try and pry open David's bag of tricks and promotional secrets, and perhaps even a few scars and open wounds. The website is davidwburner.com. Welcome to uh, to Chicago Rights, brother. Let's start it this way. Uh, once again, the last time we spoke, you had just begun on Substack, right? Um, and and had not formed it, uh, formed a, a a proper opinion of it. Um, it was still kind of a work in progress and even, even an experiment. Yeah. How now three years on, how is Substack working for you? Well, uh, it's really a couple of fold here. It's like, um, I started it by doing something I thought was pretty unusual and, and kind of new in for some authors. So I kind of jumped on the bandwagon and started to put a, a novel that I had written that I had finished that had been in kind of in the drawer, as they say, for a long time. And I had pushed it in some places, but I wasn't, I mean, I liked the novel and I was proud of it and all that, but it just wasn't, I had other things going on. I wasn't sure it was the right time to release it and all that. So I decided to take that novel and put it in episodic form, if you would, on Mm -hmm. Substack. So that what would happen is that every week there would be a new chapter that would come out. And I think there were 20 some chapters in the book. So it lasted, you know, 25 uh, weeks of putting out the chapter of this book called Rainbow Man, mm-hmm. uh, a novel that went along this 25 weeks and every week there'd be a new chapter. And I thought the idea was kind of cool. I think I had talked to a number of authors at Substack who had done it. So to answer your question on that aspect of it, I think I got a lot of feedback that told me that my novel and the style of writing that I have for a novel on Substack wasn't the right kind. And let me explain. My novels, uh, some have described as quiet. They're quiet novels. And I think if you're a writer and maybe a reader, you understand. There's Mm -hmm. no big explosion. There's no twist in the plot uh, necessarily. Um, They're character driven. They tend to be based on um, emotion, family characters, journeys, Mm-hmm. Things of that sort. My, my my novels have a quiet aspect to them. This, uh, in many ways, did also. That does not work so much in episodic form online. What works better online, I've learned over time, is the mystery, the fantasy novel, 
the twisting plots, the things that would do the same for a television series. So if you're watching a television series and you're a big fan of, let's say, The Bear, okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which a lot of people in Chicago are, there's always something going on that pulls you to the next one. Very, It's very, it's, it's very um, deliberate. My novels weren't necessarily like that. They certainly, I think, I hope that the reader would want to read the next chapter. And I think I did that, but it was not the right kind of experience that works online. So I learned that I did, although I did get a fair amount of readership on it, mm -hmm. I learned that that really wasn't what worked on Substack in terms of literature. Now, in terms of personal essay, in terms of uh, informational kind of blogs and things like that, Substack has done a lot for me. And I'll say I, I started um, a site on Substack called The Abundance. And what I do, I try to write something. I, I don't beat myself up if I don't do it weekly, but I try to do something weekly that's a personal essay. And it might be an observation. It might be a simple slice of life, all kinds of things. So, But they're always personal-based, personal narrative. Mm -hmm. And I have found that in, on your marketing side of your question, that doing that has put me into the view of people that would not have necessarily viewed my work previously. Right. So in a way, it, it has become a sort of marketing tool. Now, is it turning me into a New York Times bestseller? Probably not. But <laughs> what it is doing is it's opening my eyes up to, to readers that hadn't been there before. Mm -hmm. And that's good. Now, the other side of that is, just like I'm doing this to market my work as an author, you need to be able to market your Substack too. And right. I don't know if I've reached the level there of being able to do that well. Now, I've done some discussions with other people. I've looked at a lot of the Substack um, literature that helps you understand how to promote your work on Substack. Mm -hmm. It's kind of very, very frankly, and I don't, this isn't a diss on Substack necessarily. But it's kind of generic. It's kind of what you already know. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, sometimes marketing works and sometimes it doesn't. What it comes down to with writers and stories and authors is, it's hard to say this, but it's very much true. It's a lot about word of mouth. Somebody's read your book. They have you talk at an event or they tell somebody else about your book or it gets in the right hands or it ends up being reviewed on a blog that gets a lot of hits. It's mm -hmm. It's a tricky game, and there might be other authors out there who have a different view of that because their genre is different. If you're a mystery writer, if you're a suspense writer, if you're a fantasy writer, your marketing is way different than mine. Mm -hmm. um, I've also learned over time that you know, sort of quiet literature doesn't really do well when you're self-publishing, and I am not a self-publisher. All my books have been a couple of them in the early going were hybrids, but everything else has been a traditionally published book. And mm -hmm. I really need that because if I'm going to keep writing what I write, uh, self-publishing doesn't work too well for quiet literature, yeah. mystery, fantasy, uh, you know, so there was some splash. exactly. Yeah. They work. And I think it's the same. And the reason I'm saying that is I think it's the same for Substack. Okay. I think in a lot of ways, that works. So, is it the way people people read on uh, when when they come to Substack that if like 
what one of my all-time favorite books is is a book by yours, a well-respected man. Thank you. And I, I I will defend you this way and and say that there are there are reveals or revelations in your book that sort of take it a little bit out of out of that that quiet place that that you're characterizing it as. There's there's drama, but it's real life drama. It's, yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. There's enough of a reveal that it's like, uh, it's not that big splash reveal, but it's just yeah, enough yeah. to reveal a piece of character yeah. that that motivates the character to do something maybe you were unex didn't expect they'd do. So yeah. maybe there's a little of that. Or and explains I, I a little bit of a mystery. I have to say that's really good insight on, on your part, frankly. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's, I do think it's it's the way people read. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Now, every study will tell you the world, America is reading more, but we're not reading more books. Yeah, we're reading online. We're reading online. on our phones. We're reading. You know, we're not necessarily reading literature, but we are reading. We, mm -hmm. There's no question. But we're reading in short snippets. We're reading in blog posts. We're reading blogs is kind of even an old word anymore. You know, it's it's a different kind of reading. And I think what people expect online in terms of literature is not what I write. And I've learned, I've kind of learned that. I'm really happy I did this experiment. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a lot of knowledge gained. Uh, I wouldn't do it again unless I were writing a fantasy novel, which I'm never going to do. And I would be terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a cultural aspect. So my wife is a little bit younger than I am. She's a generation younger than I am. She reads uh, novels exclusively online. I get a lot of books here. I, I review a lot of books. And, and so to help the author and, and to expedite, uh, expedite receipt the, of, of the book, I'll ask for a PDF, but it's exhausting to read for me to read online. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm much more comfortable with, you know, with something in my hands, a page, a page that I can, I can physically turn. So maybe, maybe that's, that's an aspect uh, of this. And, and maybe the culture is, is going to, is going to change a little bit, but I know I've read, I've read enough things and, and we've even mentioned it here in this program that there is there's a divide between those who read online and those who prefer uh, a, a physical book and yeah and, and I would even sales say are weighted some, towards physical books yeah and I would even say that some of that is generational some yeah, of that is uh, like my son will do audiobooks all the time and read things mm -hmm. online and on his phone mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a book in his hand in 20 years yeah. So now yeah. my older son is a little bit different. He does both and he does have a physical book in his hand. Mm -hmm. Again, he's slightly older than my younger son. So there's a little bit of a generational divide, I think. Not mm -hmm. to say that it's good or bad. It's just different. So I think part of that is that because most of the people, I don't want to say most of the people, but a, a good number of people that I've been able to do to determine who go to things like Substack and other similar online uh, platforms are tend to be a little bit younger. And I mean by that, maybe 45 or younger, 40 or younger. Mm -hmm. They tend to skew that way a little bit more because they're comfortable in that yeah. platform. They're comfortable in that space. And maybe their attention span is a little bit shorter. Yeah. And, and that's not a disparity I think that, necessarily either. It's just something that has developed over time. And I think uh, the nature of the nature of a novel is 
when when you get into a vein or you love a character or or you're really into the book you want to read it all the way through yeah and that episodic aspect unless it's kind of a standalone like you were saying um is maybe difficult for those hardcore readers right yeah Uh, and i uh, yeah that's what i've learned about the novel form the true sort of again maybe quiet isn't the right word but the way i would describe it the quiet literary novel doesn't necessarily work on plot introspective yeah it it doesn't it just it's different and you know my chapters i tend to write in relatively short chapters and my books are not tomes Mm -hmm. so i i I tend to write you know novella length books or a little bit longer so i think i fit into that generational length divide that's there sure but episodically they don't really work so i've learned that but i have learned that the personal essay in short form maybe a thousand words works and that seems to be a place that's much more comfortable for me to be in terms of gathering eyeballs okay Um, i am not a marketing genius that is sure what i have learned is that you know, you've heard this a million times, but it's true. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And mm-hmm. you, you really, ha- especially in this business, yeah, you have to kind of just plod and think and see where it's going and how it's picking up. And very frankly, you know, I love, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the fact that somebody's recognizing my book with awards. But does that always necessarily mean sales jumps? Not necessarily. But what it does do is it puts your work in other people's eyes that would not have seen it before. And to me, that is golden. So to me, that's, that's, that's a huge part of marketing. And if I can do that through Substack and get other people to just be interested in what I'm having to say, maybe they'll say, oh, he's got a couple of books out too. I wonder what that's like. That would never have happened without Substack. So. Okay. Okay. So, so it, it's it's just a way of of extending your your brand, and as you say, getting in front of eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's bounce around here, here a little bit and talk about uh, some vehicles uh, for for marketing. See see if you've tried them or if you've got an opinion sure. on them. I'm ramping up marketing uh, strategies for my new book uh, that's out in April, um, and TikTok is becoming a force for book promotion. Have you tried TikTok? I have not. And I, and I, and I agree with you. Uh, uh, I have heard really good things about TikTok in terms of book promotion. Yeah. Um, I have to be honest with you. Part of the reason I haven't done it is my lack of knowledge because I'm not a TikTok user. <laughs> and the other part of me is I'm in so many other platforms. I feel like I am, um, you know, diluting my work. Yeah. So I have to decide, is it worth to put all the effort in to learn it, to use it? Mm -hmm. I may be missing great opportunities, very frankly, but I've also noticed that TikTok tends to skew younger. Yeah, um, it does. Depending on your genre. I, I don't know how much, you know, novel, sort of quiet literature works with younger people. So I'm not sure that's the right place for me. I I may be reading that completely wrong and mm-hmm. I don't have any data in front of me to <laughs> confirm or deny that. That's just a gut. I haven't dived into TikTok yet. 
my wife is is a big time TikTok user. So I'm I'm considering it. But but the thing that I like about it is that you is that it's it's all about your book. It's and and that's and that's how you how you build an audience. So if you know I, I'm I'm writing uh, about time travel, and my my protagonist is 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 a is a physics professor, a very skeptical physics professor, uh, but he has to figure out what happened to him and how he got to this place, and then. So as the story progresses, he's he's pulling together math and theories and philosophy and and all this as as he's as he's trying to figure out, you know, what what happened and how he how he how he time traveled. So mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, I, I can I can talk chapter and verse about that, and, and and I so I think that makes for some potentially interesting or or at least um, curious videos and they're all rather short right you're you only get like a minute i think yeah 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 so yeah see and and i'm also thinking for for that genre of novel and i don't even know if that's necessarily genre because um, it is. yeah it is it's a but, it, yeah, but, but, huge but, genre yeah. yeah i mean that that seems to and again this has gut reaction that seems to fit the tiktok audience better than something that i would write yeah. now you you've tweaked my interest even more. I you know when we're done here, I may be googling how to use TikTok as an author any minute now. But I I'm not. I don't know. I don't know if that's right. And I haven't yeah. talked to enough people who have used it, and you know sort of dived into w- what kind of work they write and mm-hmm. and what they did. I I don't. I I would have to do more of that kind of research. But okay. it is interesting, and it is it is a unique place to market. And a place that probably can target an audience really well, mm-hmm. if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, so that that might be a a future episode here uh, of uh, of what happened or transpired uh, with TikTok and and results. So uh, maybe yeah. we'll, uh, we'll yeah. compare notes on that. Uh, social media. How how has social media been for you? Do you see any bump with with Facebook notifications or Instagram or X, which is kind of a political battlefield filled with idiots right. and trolls lately right right i i have found i'm still a twitter user not uh, i use most of the social media really uh-huh. for book related things or not necessarily to continually you know throw my book in people's faces but uh maybe just to extend my brand you know to say <laughs> hey i'm writing in the shed today i hope your day's going well i mean anything like that not necessarily, necessarily talking about my book so i almost exclusively use it for that Mm-hmm. I have found that Twitter does very little for me anymore, yeah. <laughs> very frankly, yeah. Twitter yeah. or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, that's the dumbest brand move I've ever seen anybody do. <laughs> it really it's was. A, a brand that has, it's like Kleenex mm-hmm. and change the name. I mean, that is, Elon Musk is no genius, believe me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I've found that the nature of Twitter has changed and and I think it's it doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Facebook still kind of does. I've done some Facebook ads and that mm-hmm. does pop every once in a while. Okay. And some Instagram ads and that does pop every once in a while. Have you seen have you seen uh any any direct correlation to sales? I've seen direct correlations on when I'm able to link my book to either an event mm-hmm. or to a time of year, 
like for instance, the golf book that I wrote, Sandman, when the big events come up in golf, the British Open or the U.S. Open or whatever, mm -hmm. I, I tend to do a little more marketing then because the mind, the the person who might be my reader is a little more in tune to okay. social media and watching the numbers and who's playing and what's going on. So they're a little more in tune. I've done that. Uh, I've linked the Islander is based in almost entirely in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've linked it to to events that are going on in Ireland or or travel that's going on in Ireland. I've tried to make that connection mm -hmm. um, through my social media, not just randomly throw it up there. I found mm -hmm. that randomly throwing it up there doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. Tags um, are, are incredibly important. Yeah, linking it to an event, linking it to a time of year, um, linking it to, you know, even, you know, a Black Friday thing, which I did not do this year purposely, frankly. And and my publisher, a couple of my publishers um, don't really do Black Friday kind of stuff. In fact, two of my publishers are in the UK. They don't even know what Black Friday is. So, um <laughs> So they, they don't even bother. And frankly, the market is so saturated on Black Friday. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the best place. Amazon ads. Have you have you used Amazon ads? Have you had any? Uh, do, you have, do you have an opinion about Amazon ads? I've used them in a couple of places in prior books. I've found that there's negligible stuff for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, 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 other people may have a very different experience. I also find Amazon ads to be not really intuitive in terms of developing them and uh -huh. setting up the right kind of marketing plan. Okay. For some reason, I find Facebook and Amazon to be very difficult to navigate when it comes to that. Now, maybe that's my Amazon own. Amazon is, is um, uh, CPC, uh, uh, cost cost per click, right? Yeah, right. Cost per click. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which which can which can run into. Uh, which can eat into potential sales. Yeah. More than, yeah. Yeah. yeah and and I, I just, I, I don't know. I find the, uh, the mechanism behind the curtain to be a little more difficult to navigate. Yeah. You know, if you do, if you do Instagram for like, for an example, uh -huh. you go in there and it says, pick your audience and you can go through a million things that people would be looking for. And you can really focus your audience of the, was the Islander. And I was, it would be Ireland and Irish heritage and the sea and the ocean and anything that links it to my book that people, I can really hone it in. Um, I find sometimes that the Amazon stuff is just a little more complicated. Now I haven't used it in a while, so it may have changed. It might be better. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But when I used it, I found it to be less intuitive than the others. Let me go here because uh, I, I noticed uh, that one of your books uh, was um, in the International Review of Books, yeah, the uh, Daylight Saving Time, I, I, I believe, which is coming yeah, out. Yeah, that was it. That comes out. In, that comes out in the summer, but it's been reviewed already. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, so was that was that a submission by you or or by your publisher? Uh, that particular one was a submission by me, but it was okay. uh, my publisher actually said, "Hey, here are a list of ones I think we should mark. We should focus on." Okay, and, and that why, that, why that particular one? And is there is there a pricing level? Uh, because they have they have uh, I think four different pricing levels, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, what, was there a pricing level that you settled on that you thought would be uh, would be ideal? 
you know, I don't remember the process I went through. It, it, I tend to, when, when it's a review that it's a cost, Yeah. What, what I tend to do is I tend to look at the, you know, like you do with anything you're going to buy, right? What yeah. kind of value is this going to get me if I spend this, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, and I think this is very false, but I'm going to say this. I think there's a lot of authors and readers too who think if you pay for a review mm -hmm. that you're paying for it to be good. Unless it is, if, if you're talking about some lower level blogs out there, that may be true. Mm -hmm. But some of these other places, Midwest Book Review, International Review of Books, a couple of the others that I've been involved with, they're, they are not going to give you a, a good review if they don't think the book is good. They, they won't. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, not to say that they're going to be scathing, but they certainly aren't going to give you a glowing review if they don't think the book is good. I, it, it'll hurt their reputation. So that that's not something they're going to do. So this notion that if you pay for a book review that you're going to get a good review is just not true. So back to that, they gave me a list and I went to some of them and I think I might have paid the medium or the lower amount for that review. Okay. Now, Kirkus Review also did uh, Daylight Saving Time. Yes, they did, yeah. That was paid for by my publisher. Okay. That's a great one to have, but I also, I'm going to be very honest with you, nothing against Kirkus, but that's a very inside baseball review, if you know what I mean by that. Yes, sir. Like the people who are writers and authors know that Kirkus is, a, you know, well-known. Mm -hmm. The average reader has no freaking idea. <laughs> you know, they don't know if that's Joe Blow or Kirkus. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. They, they don't, most people don't get that. So that's kind of like an author patting himself on the back a little bit to me. Great to have it. Don't get me wrong. Happy they like the book. But this idea that Kirkus is the, you know, sort of the uh, the kingpin of all reviewers, that's yeah. only in the eyes of the author. You know, the reader doesn't get that. The, the international uh, review has as that that gold label. Yeah. <laughs> that you can you can affix to your book, right? right, uh, right. Which which looks impressive. Yeah. Yeah, but but also if it were a gold label from another reviewer that was at least reasonably, yeah, um, you know, acknowledged, yeah, I think the average reader would think of the same thing of it. They wouldn't think, oh, it's got Kirkus. Well, it must be great. I don't think the average but reader. You, you need that. those. You, you need those reviews, right? You, you need those reviews to get to to bump your book up for notice on uh, on on different. Book deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Re like, reviews uh -huh. by reviews by organizations and reviews by just average readers always help an independent author. Yeah, they yeah. they help with the analytics, and I and I I hate to reduce, you know, the art of literature to be to <laughs> analytics, but that is the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is it is very true that the more reviews you get, even if they are bad, you tend to bump up higher, mm -hmm. um, in your in your in your algorithms. So. Uh, and the analytics. So, you know, I I tell people who have read my book and say, you know, hey, I'd love to put in a review for you. I said, even if you give me two stars, please put it in. Just okay. review it. Okay. All right. I've been lucky enough not to have a lot of those, <laughs> but I have had a few. Uh, but, you know, everybody does. I mean, it's a subjective art, you know, we're all going to get those. My, uh, my dog's going crazy here. I've got a take this out of her mouth and no, <laughs> I've been go, lay down. go lay down we, we we will edit that part out 
Uh, oh, I think I'd leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so BookBub is is one of those uh, one of those paid uh, paid marketing services where where they'll help connect you to to a vast readership, right? Right. Yeah. Have, have you have you used BookBub? I, I have. Uh, I did with uh, Sandman, and I, what else did I? I think I may have done it with the Islander a little bit. I'd have to go back and look. And what uh, was the return on investment? I actually found that to be very good until it hit its level. Okay. Until you have kind of saturated the market that they have for you, and then it just drops off. Okay. Uh, so I have found that I've, I've used it until it starts to sort of get leveled off. And mm -hmm. then I backed away and said, okay, I'm done now. You can continue to use it, but they have to, the, the other side of that equation is they have to find the readers that want to do this and want to want to take part. If they aren't doing their job, then you're not getting enough readers, potential readers for your book. So and not is to it say because, not doing their job, but I think there's a saturation level. Is, is it because they're, uh, they're literally matching a genre to a reader. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And then when they run out of those and they don't, and then they haven't done enough on their yeah. end to gather more, you kind of saturate your your reviews. They kind of okay. stop, or okay. you can't get them as quickly. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking about using it for uh, daylight saving time when it first comes out in I think it's mm -hmm. June of this coming year 2024 mm -hmm. uh, because the, the the idea is you can get in a review but you can't post it until it's actually on the online book sites so okay. you have to kind of wait until your book is published right right uh, and and then they can go after it now right. I've had some reviews of as you mentioned of daylight saving time already that are done by organizations Kirkus mm -hmm. International Book Review that kind of stuff but they don't post those online yet. And that's fine. This is yeah. just a kind of a pre-publishing day marketing thing. Absolutely. But the, the review idea of like BookPub um, or PubBook or whatever it's called is that they have to be able to, to review and go ahead and put it online right. immediately. So it has, right. to be available. it has to be there. Now, last month we spoke with, uh, with Michael Malley from Lit Nuts. Sure. Uh, Mike, Mike's a former publisher of a couple of my books. So I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was your experience with, with Lit Nuts? And they've got, so they have, uh, they have a, a concentrated marketing strategy. Uh, none of the big, none of the big publishers. It's only independent authors and independent publishers. They're, they're a startup. So they, they have a lower uh, subscription base. Right. So, with with all that in mind, what was the was was there a return on investment from Lidnuts? And and their cost is uh extremely low for authors, which makes it yeah. you know Yeah, right. It's doable. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think I think the idea that Mike came up with, I think he from might be mis I might be misspeaking here, I'm not sure, but I think he may have started this with his daughter. Um, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did, and and it really is a great idea. Definitely. It's it's I love it that it's this it's sort of a it's it's championing independent publishers. It's absolutely it's not about the big fives or how many there are anymore. Maybe big threes or fours now. It's it's not about that, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. And I wish him all the luck in the world. Uh -huh. And I think that 
allowing the price point to be where it is for authors of of our kind, you know, not the Stephen Kings of the world, really makes it, you know, doable. Uh, I've used it a couple of times now, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, it, it's hard to really determine a sales jump. Okay. Because people can go look at your book online and then go, yeah, I'm going to keep that in mind. And then two months later, buy it, you know, yeah. so it's, yeah. it's a little hard to make that connection. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, eyeballs on my work again, again, it's a place that I never would have had eyeballs on before. It just, it wouldn't have, and for the price and for the, for the, uh, even though Mike did give me a break on some of this, cause we've been, a, um, work together for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Price for everybody is really doable. And, it's very, it's very affordable. And and what what it is too is that you you know that the people who are signed up for the this newsletter are hundred percent, hundred ten percent readers. They're they're not just somebody scanning Facebook. They're somebody who are right. looking for things to read. So that just, that's what makes it really good. Which is the the key to all these hot zippy and e reader news today and. The fussy librarian and and Goodreads, they're populated by dedicated, serious readers, yeah. people who are looking for books. Right. So we're we're gonna we're gonna finish up here. Uh, what what are your top three promotional platforms that you found worked better than anything else? Well, I'm a big believer in pre-pub publicity. So anywhere that you can start to get organizations and um, publications and online publications to review your book prior to publication, okay. it helps to create a buzz. Okay. To me, that is that you cannot forget that piece. I think there are a lot of independent authors who wait until their book is up and it's too late. Yeah. Uh, not to say you can't gather great readers. Yeah. I'm, that's not my point. But you really need to start about three, four, five months ahead of time. Okay. I know with... Um, in terms of because sometimes it takes a while for for these organizations to review books my publisher in the uk uh collective inc which is called now changed names about a year ago with my book coming out in june they'll contact me in february and say okay let's start let's start thinking about a plan how we're going to do this so they're months in advance but i know also there are you know big fives that start years in advance i I get all that um the, the reality is most independent publishers are only going to give you a little bit of a push. Yeah. They're not going to do all the marketing for you. They, they don't yeah. have the pockets for it. And, frank, yeah. and frankly, the big five don't have the pockets for it either anymore. They struggle. If you're a mid-range author, you're not getting a whole lot of publicity from your publisher, <laughs> even if you're at a big publishing house. It's really on you. So first of all, to me, to answer your question, pre-pub reviews, if you can get that done. Mm-hmm. Uh, start to do social media to explain what your book is about as often as you can, maybe a couple of months ahead of time. I think if you do too far ahead of time, it's not going to work because people, if they're interested, they're going to go, oh, I can't buy it now. And then they're going to forget about it. Right. So maybe a month ahead, month and a half, something like that. Start doing, you know, just, hey, you know, even if it's just like a reel on Instagram saying, hey, my new book, I'd love you to read it. It's about this. Here's what it is. It's going to be available in a month. Put it on your calendar. You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff I think is fine. Mm -hmm. So pre-pub stuff to me is very important. Reviews. And social media pre-pub if you can do it. Once a book is published, to me, it's about getting reviews on the online sites, reader reviews. Um, you know, start a campaign ahead of time saying, hey, I'm going to send PDF to all these people that you know or friends. I mean, it's okay. It's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and or people in the writers association any any book or writing association that you're involved with send yeah. it out get them to to review it and don't ask them to make a good review just say please review in any way you feel fit mm -hmm. some people are intimidated by doing reviews they think they have to write this big long thing i yeah. tell them two sentences that's mm -hmm. it i loved it i love chapter five don't miss chapter five done and you're done that's all you got to do so that's, to help them understand really that process is good too yeah, yeah, yeah. The the three that just fell flat that you tried uh, and you had hopes for, and they just didn't didn't do what you wanted. Uh, well, one. in terms of in terms of today, uh, I would say a couple of years ago it wasn't this, but today uh, Twitter's not doing much for me. Uh huh. Uh, I think Twitter's become a different kind of animal. X. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different animal. Twitter doesn't do that much for me anymore. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I helped one of another. You may know Christine Sneed. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I, 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 I led her down a path that is that she thought was good to help her do a couple of things. And I don't know what would be great to hear what she did exactly. But uh -huh. are you familiar with Fiverr? I've, I've heard of it. I'm not terribly familiar with it. It is a, a platform that allows for uh, freelance and independent um, gig workers, really, to okay. help you. You can do anything, but there's a lot of book promotion mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. there. Some of them is you gotta you gotta kind of sift through it to find the stuff that people know what they're doing. There's a lot of people out there who do price. And Christine actually, I believe, may have done an audio book with some work by somebody there. Okay. So it's very reasonable and there's a very a lot of good people who really know what they're doing. Uh, it's worth a look at if you're ready to do some marketing for a book. It's worth looking at. Speaking of, do you do audiobooks? Do you do you do your own audiobooks? With I, I, every book that I've had, I've had the rights to the audio. So okay. a few of them I've done already. Okay. Um, I've done uh, Hamster in the Dashboard was one. Okay. Sandman was one. Uh -huh. um, Walks with Sam is an audiobook. Mm -hmm. I haven't done them all as audiobooks, and I'll tell you why. The ones that are memoir, I feel comfortable doing. I have a broadcast background. It's my voice. It's me. It's first person, right? Yep, yep. If I'm going to have a novel, I don't want to be the one reading it. I want to get somebody to read my novel. Yeah. I, yeah. Want a, I want a voice artist. I want somebody to do that. And I haven't pulled the trigger on that. Okay. Um, it's expensive to get a it's, good book. It's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I, I know enough about audio production that some of this I can do myself. Uh -huh. uh, I work for you know a broadcast organization here in in the Chicago area, and I could probably work with them a little bit. So mm -hmm. that cost can be lowered. Mm -hmm. but the cost of talent and getting that perfect voice is hard. Now I have to say that there's a voiceover program at Columbia College Chicago that mm -hmm. has incredible talent, and I hired a senior from there to do Sandman after I did auditions, and I paid him. Now, did I pay him scale or did I pay him what, you know, the 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 SAG after folks would get? No. And I told him, he said, I can't do that, yeah. but I can pay. Him. And I paid him and he did Sandman for me and he was wonderful. So you don't always have to go to the big producers. Mm -hmm. uh, this voiceover program at Columbia College, I'm telling you right now, they are exceptional talent. Uh, and, and if you can work with them and, and, you know, be honest with the fact that you can't pay them full scale. Some of them yeah. do a, a very good job for you. Audiobooks are are a, a growing part of of the industry, 
uh, but very, very few independent authors produce audio works of of their books. Um, yeah, I think it costs too much. Yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the cost of the return is not big if you're if you're spending that much money up front. Yeah, yeah. And the worst thing you can do is to put out an audiobook that's not well produced. Okay, it's got to be clean. It's got to be well done. It's it's just like you know doing a self published book and not having a yeah. good editor. Yeah. You no, know, it's like don't do that. You got you got to hire a good editor. You got to hire a good audio technician and narrator if you're going to do it right. There you go. There you go. Last question: uh, Do you have a marketing budget in mind for each book, and what what is that roughly? And I'm and not, I'm not and that you know, organized. <laughs> and, and do you also have a time frame where you begin uh, marketing a book x number of months out? I do. I do do that. Like, uh, you know, and some of that is pushed by my publisher. Like I said before, my yeah. UK publisher tends to work about three, four months in advance yeah. and starts to sit down with me and do a plan and then kick it in gear. Yeah. So that's helpful because it keeps me in line. Mm -hmm. um, if I had a, if I have publishers, which I've had in the past who maybe are not that diligent or maybe don't have that kind of, um, you know, money in the pockets to do that as much, Mm -hmm. Uh, I usually try to start my own stuff at least, a, at least three months in advance. Okay. Um, and okay. sometimes more, if I like getting those early reviews from organizations, sometimes you got to work well in advance to get them to, to get in their queue. All right. All right. David W. Burner is the author of one of my favorite books, a well-respected man. I'm holding it right here. Uh, his latest critically acclaimed novella is the Islander and his upcoming book, Daylight Saving Time will be released summer 2024. If that great voice sounds familiar, David is also an announcer for WBBM News Radio, AM 780 here in Chicago. Catch him on Substack at theabundance.substack.com. Uh, you can also link, uh, which which you can also link to through his website, davidwburner.com. And I'll post links to those in the notes below. Thank you, brother. This was uh, extraordinarily informative. Well, not only that, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, and it's uh, really much too long. And yeah, I've yeah. Had conversations with you, and uh, I'm so uh, pleased that you asked me to be here. Pleasure was was really all mine, man. Thank you again. You bet. On behalf of the Chicago Writers Association, I'd like to thank my guest David W. Burner, and to all of you who listened. Just a quick note about analytics, if your book is in the marketplace competing with a million other books to be seen by readers, think of analytics as the necessary tool that bridges marketing strategies critical to that return on investment the sale of each book represents. If you enjoyed this program, help support it by simply clicking the subscribe button for updates and notifications about upcoming programs. And feel free to share this program with friends, colleagues, and family. The Chicago Writers Association is a 501c3 charitable organization. Visit chicagorights.org. And from everyone here at CWA, we wish you a warm and happy holiday season and a very Merry Christmas. For Chicago Rights, I'm W.C. Turk. Thank you.